LBC. Morning, everybody. Where is this blasted? Honestly, they say to you, I sit there and I listen and I take it all in and they go, oh, today's going to be a monsoon and the weather's going to be this and get, you know, and by two o'clock in the morning I'm going to be floating out of the bathroom in a coracle and I get down here and it's still bone dry. Small wonder the BBC have decided to drop the Met Office. That means actually, doesn't it, that all the weather presenters that you know at the moment will be kicked off and they'll bring in some new people. I mean, to be quite honest, I think that's a brilliant idea. Uh, Gemma Collins claims the work is piling up for her. Well, certainly, she, the reason she's put on weight is because apparently filming her stresses her out, so she eats. You silly little fat woman. Russell Brand gives the world a break for his rants. He's cancelled his YouTube show. And um, Jefferson King reveals the hell after his show was dropped. Go on, I defy you. You've got no idea who he is. I didn't have. Jefferson King. Apparently he was Gladiator, one of the gladiators. Well, Who? I've never heard of him. Never heard of him. Uh, the widower who's left, uh, well, is part of a £368 million lawsuit against that adultery site. The BBC are going to make five more series of Poldark, God help you. Danielle Lloyd is targeted in revenge porn. And as we've said a million times before... Who cares? That'll be Danielle Lloyd, the racist. We remember you very well indeed, dear. That's the one whose husband or boyfriend or whatever he was disappeared off with somebody else. And um, and then poor me, poor me, poor me. So she goes out with somebody and very unwisely they uh, film themselves doing it. What have we said before? If you don't want this stuff to come back and haunt you, don't film it in the first place. I don't know anybody... I'm trying to think. Do I know anybody in this building? Well, apart from Christo, who uh, who spends his life filming himself. I mean, to be honest with you, it's an embarrassment all the way round. Who wants to see a grown man playing with his little submarine and ducks in a bath? It's just not interesting or pleasant. And uh, and then he was trying to inquire earlier on if I've got any pets. Not that I want to tell him about yet. I didn't want to mention to him that when I go round to his place and I call it a place actually it's shared accommodation in Brixton I say shared it's it's shared with people who let's just say drink and uh, he's sort of there he he sort of helps he likes helping people out even if they don't want help and um, I didn't want to tell him that I've got a seriously deadly viper to take around and introduce to his little pet dog and um, you know he again he just can't leave me alone I love the way that he sort of says that I respond to him. I'm willing to challenge that in a court of law, actually, because I've never responded to any of his texts. He is permanently blocked. The police are well aware of every time my phone rings, if his name comes up, they immediately push two buttons and it starts recording the conversation so we know where we're at. Uh, Jihadi John has been masked in Syria. He reckons he's going to come back to the country and uh, he's going to take the law into his own hands. Nothing worse is there than a simpleton, ladies and gentlemen, and he is an absolute simpleton. Uh, Kids and Co. helping scores of immigrants stay in the UK on benefits. As usual, the founder, Camilla, nothing. That smug grin on her face, which kind of says it all. It's a case of, I'm going to carry on doing what I want to do. You're not going to tell me anything at all. And then it turns out that one of their adult members, and I thought it was called Kids Company, had a sex change operation, which they paid for. This must have been the cash cow that kept on giving. Small wonder... Small wonder she was up in arms when it all finished. You know, I want my money back. Give me my money back. Because nobody had ever said no to her. When you consider that most politicians had brown-nosed her from here to eternity, you know, you started wondering where this money was going. She was just literally funding her own sort of, you know, good that she wanted to do. And yet when it all went pear-shaped, she didn't want to answer any questions at all. In fact, she was quite arrogant about it. And I went right off her. Uh, Learners in four months waiting for a driving test. Four-month wait, you've got to to go through now if you want to take your driving test. By that time, you'd have forgotten, wouldn't you, really? Uh, the Great British have it off. 
Sandy, who's in it, has been having a fling with a dad of two for ages. God, there's always something, isn't there? And can we please get rid of Mel Gidroich, the most unfunny woman in the entire world? Not funny, not interesting, not attractive, nothing, nothing. Get rid. If I actually take them both out now, I've had enough of it. The idiot that is Millie McIntosh. This is Millie McIntosh. Oh, I can't be bothered to carry my dogs around anymore, so I just gave them away. You know, as if they were some sort of accessories, if it was a, you know, a coffee bag or a jug of water. I've got puppies, I bought them, and I'm just giving them away because I'm Millie McIntosh. A complete, overrated, talentless fool, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Cheryl Spagbol, you know Cheryl? Remember Cheryl? I got a fake, fake. Fake, 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 fake. And that was as far as she got. And uh, she's been made an executive producer because she's, like, really talented, although terribly funny. The uh, One of the papers, and I'll have to bring you the story later on, I'll, I'll give you the bare bones of it, give you the bare bones of it, is that uh, Cheryl launched a little a little poffoom the other week, or as we prefer to call it, one up from Toilet Duck. It's uh, £29.99, so it's not appealing to any market apart from people with no money, and who are probably going to be putting it on a credit card. And uh, there were no celebrities at launch. Mainly because, I mean, celebrities just don't, don't go to launches of, of naff things like this. The only celebrity they said was there was this poor creature called Lizzie Cundy. Have you heard of her? She's got a little tiny column in OK magazine where they send poor Lizzie out. She looks a bit like a hamster who's got sort of her cheeks full of sunflower seeds. And she turns up. She's quite old now. She's about 160. And she turns up, and then she writes about in her column, I went to see my best friend Cheryl Spagbowl's latest perfume launch. There was nobody else there except a reporter from another paper. And the reporter turned up. Cheryl Spagbowl thought that it was Cara Delevingne. So she had a picture taken. She said, oh, hi, hi, Cara, had a picture taken with her. And when the reporter left, she turned around to me and went, bye, Cara, see you. She thought Cara Delevingne had been there. She didn't, she didn't, she's so dumb, she's so dumb. Seriously. And uh, apart from that, uh, what else do we have? Oh, Blackadder's returning after 26 years, which is exciting, isn't it? They've obviously run out of ideas on television. They've obviously run out of ideas. They've got nothing else to put on, so they're going to remake some, some brilliant things. Some brilliant things. And then Mary says, oh, who's, who's some woman? Some woman wrote to poor old Christo earlier on because he doesn't like cats. I mean, he says he doesn't like cats. I think secretly he does like cats. And this woman rounded on him saying that, you know, because you're anti-cats, it means that people are going to increase their attacks on them, which I thought was a bit unlikely. He, he said, you can't really blame me for, you know, anybody who's attacking a cat. That's putting it a little bit too far. But then Stephen Mulhern bigged me up the other day. And Mary said, I wonder how many new listeners you've got this morning due to Stephen Mulhern. Well, probably exactly the same as I had last time round. I don't think he's going to notice that quickly. I've had to send money to him. It's getting really expensive, all these celebrity endorsements. And uh, we like Stephen Mulhern. If you've never met him, he's enormously tall. He's even taller than you imagine. Most people think, oh, he's, on the t- he's going to be short. Oh, good God, no. He must be a six-foot-twoer, I would think. Very good with his hands. Very good with his hands. Magician. Very, very good. Actually, sorry. <coughs> Talking magicians. Over in America, on America's Got Talent... Uh, two people that I know very well, Piff the Magic Dragon and Paul Zerdin, <coughs> are storming it over in America. Uh, they're through to the finals. Both absolutely brilliant. I mean, absolutely brilliant. And uh, and I'm really delighted for them. Uh, you remember that if ever you've been to my shows at the Magic Circle over the Christmas period, that both gentlemen have featured on there. Piff featured with Mr Piffles and uh, Paul Zerdin featured as well. As well. So, and I have another magic show this year, incidentally. I keep meaning to tell people. It's on New Year's Day. 
Uh, we have the one show. I don't even know myself who the lineup is, but you get to come to the Magic Circle. I host the show and you get to see some great close-up magic. And I mean, you'll be close, really close. And, uh, and then you get a little stage show as well, but there's only 160 seats in the theatre. It's only small. You get to go to the Magic Circle uh, Museum as well. So it's, it's worth it just for that. And uh, details on the Magic Circle website. Apart from that, yesterday, yuck, yuck, yuck. I hate the heat. People get writing to me going, how are you coping? And the answer is, I didn't cope very well at all yesterday. It was way too hot. I cannot function in it. And it's because my thyroid has stopped working. I mean, it's not like it's underactive or overactive. It's completely stopped working. So I'm on levothyroxine, which doesn't seem to make any difference. I feel the heat really, really badly. So when people go, isn't this fantastic? I go, no, and try and find every available bit of shade. I try and hide under umbrellas and everything else. It's really ghastly, really ghastly. And so I had friends of mine writing to me saying, how are you coping in the heat? Knowing damn well that I wasn't coping in the heat. So I kept writing back going, I'm OK. Not. <laughs> My friend Jez is off on holiday today. Well, he thinks he is. I've had a quiet word with customs. And uh, I don't think he'll be getting much further than the airport. I don't think he'll actually be getting the other end. That reminded me of that joke years ago. Who <laughs> was the comedian? I can't remember. He said... Um, he said, my, my dad was Irish and my mum was from Syria, so we spent most of our school holidays in customs. <laughs> Which was, just made me laugh, because that's where my friend Jez will be today. He's flying off to, I think he's going to Dubai. I said, why do people go to Dubai? What is there in Dubai? It's a giant building site, and I'd, I've never been. I know that they've got seven-star hotels, and, it's, and it all looks like, but it's never actually appealed to me. Out of all the places to go on holiday, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't that sort of, that sort of bothered about going there. Although some friends of mine were saying yesterday, in fact, my, my goddaughter, uh, Charlotte, was saying, what do you reckon, Uncle Steve, Mexico or Florida? I thought, to be honest with you, Mexico's a dump. The Americans spent most of the time trying to keep Mexicans out. The Americans don't want them in there. And so it's all people trying to flee Mexico. So why not go to Florida? It's all there. It's cheap. It's good value for us. And uh, you can guarantee boiling hot weather. I mean, Mexico City is a nightmare for drugs. Seriously, I mean, if, if you manage to go an hour without seeing a body by the side of the road, you know, you're lucky. It is terrible. I think the last big public holiday they had, there's a big tunnel that leads out of Mexico City. 22 bodies hanging from the, the roof of the tunnel beheaded. They think nothing of beheading. The heads. I mean, it really is quite ghastly. The, uh, the drugs cartels that operate... There's all sorts of people there, and because they, they control the drugs, if you move on to somebody else's territory, then uh, you kind of have to accept the consequences, and the consequences are not great. And then Christo was talking about tipping, and you know me and tipping. I've got a big thing about tipping, and I've said to you time and time and time again, if, you, if, if a service charge appears on your bill, then you ask them to redo the bill, taking the service charge off. You do not have to pay it by law. By law, they cannot force you to pay a service charge. If you want to give a private donation, as I call it, to your waiter, then give it to the waiter. I never pay service charge. Never once. I would never think about paying service charge. I think it's a total rip-off. What was that restaurant chain in London? There was one that was, that, that was sort of charging the service charge, but the waiting staff didn't get it. But they got it in a roundabout way because it supplemented their wages. And I can't remember who the, who the chain was. Was it Cope Brasserie? That's right, Cope Brasserie and Petrie. They were all doing it. Cope Brasserie was the one that the, uh, the Standard did the other day. And I remember thinking, well, they won't be getting any of my custom any time soon. The idea is that you think, as indeed I do, that if it says a service charge on it, not that I pay it, and you pay it, that goes to the waiting staff. It doesn't. 
It goes into the pot so that they can up their hourly rate. So they're paying them a pittance. They up the hourly rate, which still isn't as much as they should be getting, and they don't get any tips. I think it's an absolute outrage. You should boycott them with your feet. Go somewhere else and check. Check. So if I, if I give a tip to you and I don't want to pay service charge, will you get to keep it? And I always say to them, listen, put it in your pocket. If I give them a five or a ten, put it in your pocket now. Do not walk out with it. Do not walk out with it. You know, just stick it in your pocket and say nothing. If they say, did you get a tip, go, no, I'll back you up. Not having that. So coat brasserie. What a bunch of idiots. You know, worst thing you could have done. Worst thing you could have done is then actually admitted that these people didn't get it. But I've got an even better story about, um, about gifts that you give to people in the bank after this. Steve Allen on LBC. Just thinking a minute ago, I, um, every day uh, my driver brings me in and we sort of, we go around some of the back streets so we get to the triangle at the bottom because you, you can get into Leicester Square but it just means you've got to run the gamut of the rickshaws, that are, which is OK, you can run them over, it's fine as far as I'm concerned. And I was thinking to myself the other day, I wonder where these things go in the daytime. They go here. Literally at the back of Leicester Square... There's a very nice hotel just over the way. And at the back of that, there's an underground car park. And it is full of rickshaws. Full. So somebody, somewhere, must be on a take from these rickshaws. They must be on a take from them. Because these underground car parks cost a fortune. But they're literally piled up in there. I've never seen so many. And it's literally round the back of Leicester Square. I could take you there right now. And uh, I might take a picture of it. I think one more. I might, yeah, I might, I might get a picture of it later and, uh, and show you. Because all these rickshaws are in there. Well, I mean, they surely don't park. They, 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 they don't pay to park in there, do they? How can they afford to do that? And also, if somebody is running them as sort of a little bit like sort of, you know, some sort of mafia kind of thing, how do you know what these people are doing with the money? Because most of them look dishonest. Most of them are on benefits. And uh, most of them are illegal. So why they're here, I've got no idea. Anyway, nothing to do with what we were talking about. So uh, Christo was talking about the tipping. And I have always said to you, don't, don't tip. Give the money direct to your waiting person. If you want to give them two quid, give them, say, put it in your pocket. Put it in your pocket and just cross that off the bill. Do not pay service charges on bill. Let's kick these establishments where it hurts. It's really, you know, and that, that coat chain, whatever thing it is, you know, they were foolish enough to say, oh, no, it doesn't uh, go like that. And I'm thinking, well, let's not, let's not bother going there anymore. Let's not go there. You know, go somewhere else. Vote with your feet. So much easier. Anyway, and they reminded me of a story some years ago. I've, I've always got on very well with my bank. Um, always have. Probably always will do, I should imagine. Because I think they're always very useful. I can phone them up and uh, they'll, they'll do anything. I don't appear to have a branch. I'm sure I've got one somewhere. At the moment, it appears to be in the sky. And, uh, and I remember I, I got very friendly with a, a young lady down at the bank. And so I'd spoken to her. Every time I had a problem with the account or something needed doing, I'd phone her up and say, oh, can you do this and do that? And, uh, and she said, yeah, yeah, that's no, no trouble, Steve, at all. And she knew where I worked and uh, she wasn't a listener or anything like that. And so I said, OK, fine. And I said, at Christmas time, I said, listen, I must pop down and give you your Christmas present. Are you going to be in the branch today? So she said, don't, don't bring it to the branch. She said, I'll meet you down the road. So I said... Oh, why would that be? Shall I tell you later? So anyway, I dutifully turn up at the at the bank. I park a bit down the road. She comes down the road. And so I give her her Christmas present, which was, I forget what it was now, beautifully wrapped and all the rest of it. I said, um, I said, why did I have to give you your present down the road? She said, so I can then put it straight into my car. So I said, why? She said, because the bank rules are that at Christmas, if you get any presents from customers, they go into a pool. 
And starting with the manager, he gets to pick the present he wants out of it. So, in other words, I might have given her a £200 bottle of perfume. If the manager likes the look of it, he'll take it. And then it goes down in the pecking order. So, if you're only on the tills, you don't kind of get, you know, you might have been given something really nice by one of your regular customers, but the manager might end up with it or somebody else in management. So, I said, well, blow that for soldiers, I said. And so I gave her the present. And ever since then, I've always made sure that, you know, we've not been anywhere near the bank. I've always given it so she can put it straight in her car. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Isn't that a swizz? It's the same as when, when you give your tip to a waiter. In a lot of cases, they go into a, into a pool and it's then distributed. Because I always think it's a bit of a shame, really. The chef's got to cook it in the kitchen. He doesn't get anything at all, but they do get well paid. And the waiting staff have to bring it to the table. But yet, why would you give it to the busboy or something like that? You know, it's like when you go to the hairdresser ladies, you always tip, presumably, the girl who washes your hair and then the person who cuts your hair. The reason you tip the person who washes your hair, and it might only be a pound or a couple of quid, is because they're on really awful money. They're on really terrible money. At least the stylist, you know, can be earning reasonable money in London. Reasonable money. So you always tip the person who washes your hair. If you're a man, you don't bother. You know, if I go into my hairdresser and she washes my hair, I don't tip her for washing my hair because I just think that's what she gets paid for doing. So it, it never happens like that. But we've gone tip mad. Tip mad in this country. They like it in America, but now it's crept over here and I don't like it. As somebody said earlier on, you don't tip the person who packs your bag in a supermarket. So why would you bother? You know, I've never understood why we tip taxi drivers. You know, you look at the meter and it might say, I don't know, £15.80. And you think, what? And I've got a tip on top of that. For what? What? You know, I, 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 I'm not mean. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not a tight person. In fact, people would tell you completely the opposite. I'm really generous. But I just don't understand what we're tipping for. Are we tipping because he's going to come around and snog the face off you? Or is he going to come around and polish your shoes? Or, you know, I mean, what are we tipping for? I open the door myself. I manage to heave myself in. I get off the seat and I pay him the £15.80. Why do I not give him 16 quid and take the 20 pence back? Why, why are we tipping? What are we tipping for? You know, what, getting you from A to B? I mean, in which case, that's what they're paid to do, isn't it? I thought that's the whole idea. That, you know, if you get in a taxi, you pay them from here to there. Why would we tip? I don't understand why we tip. You don't tip the person, you know, you don't tip the policeman who comes round to your house and solves a burglary. You don't go, you know, and there's a pound for yourself. You don't say that. You know, you don't go to McDonald's, do you, at Waterloo Station or anywhere else? And, and, they, and they serve you and you go, do you know you ever eat? Have a pound. Have a pound. You don't do that. So why do we tip all these other people? Why do you tip a hairdresser for doing their job? They get paid for it. Why do you not tip the person in John Lewis who sells you a really nice television? Don't tip them. Why do I, you know, Dan downstairs during the week who makes the coffee, he's a barista. Um, why do I not, every time he makes me a cup of coffee, go, Dan, thank you very much indeed, and give him a couple of quid or something? Why do I not do that? Admittedly, I allow him to talk to me. You know, that I think is enough. That is payment. He's lucky. I know who he is. He knows who I am. We get on very well together. But I don't tip him. So, I mean, should I at Christmas? Should I buy him a Christmas box? Years ago, you used to buy the postman a Christmas box. I have a very nice postman. He always give me the post. I sort out the post. And, you know, it's all very amicable. But I've always been lucky with the postman. They're always really nice. Our postmen are really good. But, you know, do you tip the milkman? Kevin the milkman has said that he does get, you know, little presents at Christmas. But not for everybody. I was in the hairdressers the other day and somebody was having their hair cut by cashier and I think it's £9. And so what a lot of people do is say, no, no, keep it. And so 
He didn't. She actually took the pound out of the till and he took it. And I thought, you meanie, you meanie. But there we get, you know, why do we tip? We've got tip mad. I don't see why we should have to tip. It's just, it's just madness. Absolute madness. Anyway, yesterday we had a buffet, which was very nice. But the, but the, trouble, we, the time we got round to the buffet, and it was lovely. But then you've got to drive back down the motorway. And you know when you're tired, and it's been, you've had a day in the sun, and I had a glass of Prosecco, and I had a couple of sausages, and I had a, a, a beef burger. And that was that. And it was lovely. It was really nice. It was very nice. And then the weather started going a little bit cooler, which for me was a blessed relief. And then you've got to get in the car. And, of course, I went to pick up my water on the seat, and it was boiling hot. It was almost boiling because the inside of the car was so hot. Uh, so I thought, oh, please, God, it cools down. And uh, and it did a little bit. And then I got in and I thought, I'm going to sleep for the world. You climb in, the alarm goes off after about 30 seconds. You suddenly realise, you think, what? T- it can't be that time already. And it was. And then I, I sort of came into town and I thought, oh, it's going to rain today. That'll be nice. It'll keep the car nice and clean. And so far, nothing. But we will go through the morning papers to find out some of the stories. I, I, I had to side with uh, Christo. Makes us sound very mean, doesn't it, when I read the front page of one of the papers. Chelsea star ripped off an investment scam. John Terry loses a million in an investment scam, which scores of top players have lost fortunes in. He's said to have been swindled uh, in this thing. And I thought, well, I don't like you anyway, so I couldn't care less. I don't like John Terry. I'm quite openly admitted. You don't have to like people. There's no, no law in the world that says you have to like people. I don't like him, so I couldn't care less. If these people want to invest in something and they get ripped off, nothing to do with me. I was nothing to do with it. Uh, I did worry about all the publicity surrounding Shane Ward. They say he's won over Corrie fans. Well, who? Millions of people watching. What are they, are six? Six people or something like that? Apparently, uh, some viewers have backed him to stay on for years. Oh, God, I do hope not. Mind you, thank God we didn't get to see much of Sarah Harding. I mean, she was... Dreadful. I mean, that was just atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. I mean, this woman couldn't act her way out of a paper bag if her life depended on it. Not very good at all, I'm afraid. And then we got uh, Big Brother starting. It's Celebrity Big Brother. Well, I mean, they must have run out of people. I mean, who else is left? Unless they find sort of a couple of former druggies or they found some page three bimbo type. Who on earth are they going to put in it? There's nobody left. Alexander O'Neill has done an exclusive. He was forced out and forced to say quiet because he had rows with Perez Hilton. And, um, and uh, for the past six months, fans have thought that Alexander quit the show in a rage. But he didn't. So now you know, and he's talking about it. I got booted out of the house. Well, I can't wait to see because they haven't put Danielle um, uh, Westface in there. What's her name? Danielle Westbrook. That's right. Do you know, for a moment, it's, I thought, that's show business, Stephen. You can't actually remember who she is. And so they're not, they're not putting her in there, which is just as well, because we shouldn't be expected to laugh at a poor unfortunate. Uh, but I've got a great review of Jordan's new programme. I didn't see it, but I think you'll find the review I'm going to read for you this morning kind of encapsulates everything, which is the joke that is Jordan. It's 6.30. <laughs> Latest news headlines, Philip Chris Lankos. Sussex police warn the number of people killed following a plague... Readers Philip Chrysikos. Philip Chrysikos. Took me three years to do Navratilova. Gonna take forever to. I know, it gets more complicated by the day. Philip Chrysikos. Philip Chrysikos. Ecos Chris Philip. (laughs) Philip Ecos Chris Philip. Oh, it doesn't matter. Philip. Philip Chrysikos. You watch next time round, I'll screw it up again. Spend the rest of our life doing doing pronunciation, ladies and gentlemen, on the radio. (laughs) Anyway, it's nice to have you company. Welcome to Sunday. 
If you're still in bed, I'm very jealous. Very, very jealous, because being in bed is a nice place to be at the moment. Especially, I was so warm and cosy in bed, it was, it was just delightful. And the heat was so bad that, like with everybody, you find it impossible to sleep. A friend of mine, Ant, he, he sent a text about something, and I said, you can't be up at this time in the morning. He said, I can't sleep. He said, it's the heat. And it's, you know, if you haven't got a fan... And uh, he hasn't, I don't think, got a fan. I should buy him one for Christmas. You never think about these things. We get so few really hot days. But when you do get it, it really screws up your life. Even Diana in Richmond said, I'm so with you on this heat. I haven't slept a wink last night. I'm so hot. I finished my Maygrave thriller. However, I'm also on levothyroxine. And I've no idea what it does. Well, I don't know what it does either. I'm on it because my thyroid's broken, you know. And your thyroid, I was always led to believe, is your little thermostat. And it's the thing that monitors your body's temperature. So consequently, in the middle of winter, I can be boiling hot. In the middle of summer, I can get so hot that I feel I'm about to expire. It's terrible, really. Anyway, she says, I have no idea, but had a lovely day out with Simon and Lisa on Thursday in Leicester Square. Lunch in a lovely Italian restaurant after popping into LBC Towers, having a nice chat with Courtney. And then some people uh, watching in Trafalgar Square. I love people. I'm good at people watching. I love people watching. It's so good. Uh, Mary says, I tip my shopping delivery driver. You see, why? Why do we tip? I mean, what is this? You know, I cannot, I mean, I don't, oh, I don't know. Why do we bother doing it, actually? Barry says, uh, on tips, great to see in Reservoir Dogs about tipping. I've never seen Reservoir Dogs. Uh, Hotel in America with 30 restaurants, says Les. And um, apparently in Wigan, says Joanne, we had heavy rain and thunder and lightning at about 2 a.m., you see, I can cope with thunder and lightning. I think that's quite good, actually. Uh, Patrick and Christina Sullivan, been married for 45 years come September, from Danny, Loretti, Samantha and all the family. So that's quite nice. We don't generally do this sort of two-way family favourites things. Uh, Les says you'll be classed as a tight so-and-so. Actually, the one thing that anybody will ever tell you, I am the least tight person you will ever know. I am the most generous person. Seriously, everybody will say that. Ask any of them. Ask anybody how, how generous I am. I'm really genuine. I just don't want a tip. Brilliant uh, few hours listening with Belinda Carline and John Stapleton. I remember Linda, Belinda, says uh, Rusty, from the days when she was one of the Go-Go's in the 80s. Great to know she's still going. Congratulations. Very entertaining hour. And uh, another one here, says, uh, Joe is, is in Bromley, says, I'm on Levothyroxine. I went to Brighton yesterday. God, the heat was unbearable. Actually, it's not too bad if you go to the seaside, is it? Not too bad to go to the seaside because at least you get that sea breeze coming in. And that was nice. We went uh, walking around uh, Northfield Market yesterday. God, it was hot. We just had a nice cup of tea, which was lovely, but it was very hot out there. And lots of planes were taking off. Lots of little tiny light aircraft from Northfield Aerodrome, which was very nice indeed. Uh, One from uh, Bridget says, I saw Duncan James in Priscilla in Manchester. He was excellent, which surprises me as I was expecting the worst. Oh, really? Oh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't at all. Really good actor and singer. I managed to ignore the tattoos after a few minutes. Yeah, it's a little bit too much, isn't it? I don't, I, I, I don't really think, uh, you know, I don't really think that uh, tattoos do it at all. But uh, if that's what he wants to wear, fine. Uh, perhaps that's why he went bankrupt, <laughs> spending too much on tattoos. Uh, do you think that the RMT union will go on strike because their members don't get tips, says Phil? I don't know. It's another strike, isn't there? What, they, these people, they, they really hate you. The unions and their members absolutely hate you, the members of the public, travelling on the trains. Because the only people getting hurt is you. They couldn't care less about you. They're hammering nails in your coffin as I'm speaking. And then there was another one of them today which is going on strike and they've said, oh, don't worry, we'll have 70% of trains running because they were worried about the buffet car going or something. The buffet trolley. And I thought, 
Oh, for God's sake, honestly. Get over yourselves. It really is appalling. I think there should be a whole cast of people that go, listen, uh, we need to train some people up to drive trains. Um, And so if there's a strike, you just move in and carry on driving the trains. How about that? The unions would be up in arms, wouldn't they? You can just tell. Unions would go absolutely crackers for things like that. But uh, it's so annoying. Uh, Tip for heat. Spray yourself on the sheet with water spray. Use linen-covered waterproof under sheet. Works for me, says Sarah. Oh, that's right. So we're now going to electrify ourselves in the bed. I don't. I, I don't believe in spraying. I do have a fan in the bedroom. I mean, the yeah. You know, the only, the only thing I, I would say is just make sure you've got a very light duvet. I don't know, but I saw somebody in a jumper yesterday, in a jumper. Ladies and gentlemen, perhaps there are some people who don't feel the uh, the heat at all. The only person I tip is the pizza delivery guy, and that's only a pound, a pound for for delivering a pizza. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't think we should tip at all. I don't think it's necessary. I really don't. Um, another one here. Uh, this is from, 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 from um, Phil. He says, is it me or does Camilla from Kids Company look like a large exotic M&M? Well, I know she's fairly arrogant. <laughs> she sits there. No, you know, it's, it's the media. So she's blamed the media for everything. She hasn't once blamed herself because she's inept. Hasn't once blamed herself because she was the one that closed the company down. We didn't close it down. The government stopped the funding because there were financial irregularities and there were all sorts of rumours circulating. And now the more you learn about Kids Company, the more you realise is that she was sitting there bedecked in all this sort of wonderful finery and just raking in the money and handing it out to who she bloody well liked. It went all over the place. All over the place. And you think, no, 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 that's not how we run a business in this country, dear. Might be where you run them in Tehran, but not here. You're responsible to people, so they pulled the plug on it. And that, as I say, was the best thing they'd ever done. Because it was getting out of hand, and the government... And somebody suddenly realised, wait a minute, this this woman is is just spending money left, right and centre. People who are suffering are the kids. Handing money to somebody doesn't solve a problem, as anybody will tell you. Otherwise, all the charities have just closed down, just hand all the money over. But uh, but not so. Uh, Noreen says, top tip, I was in London at an outdoor function yesterday and took bottles of frozen water. So by mid-afternoon, still cold with the ice in them, not warm and yucky. She said, and I did feel old. A couple of times people gave me their seats on the tubes. And the number of people who told the train conductor they got on the train after they did on the main line back to St Albans. Oh, right. Oh, were they doing that? Oh, they were doing that sort of jumping through. We have a thing in Twickenham, um, and it's happened a couple of times. Well, to my knowledge, it probably even might have happened more than a couple of times, uh, where there are Romanians coming in to go and working on building sites, but they haven't bought a ticket. They haven't bought a ticket for the train. So what they do, because we've got automatic barriers, the one who doesn't have the ticket stands in front, the one with the ticket stands behind, opens the barrier, and they both rush through at the same time. And Brian at Twickenham Station is fighting a losing battle there. They need British Transport Police there every day, plain clothes, to stop these people. Because it's going on every single day. And I'm sick to death. I mean, perhaps it's normal where they come from. Perhaps it's normal not to bother buying train tickets. But that's what they do. They're, they're cheating the system. So I think it has to be stopped. I think we have to, to do something about it. I don't know why they would actually do things like that. And, um, and it's, it, it's a case of... You know, we have to stop these. If, if it means arresting them and throwing them in prison, well, so be it. We'll just have to arrest them and throw them in prison. Uh, talking tipping, which uh, I'm not this morning. I only picked up on it because Christo was down there. Uh, Sheila and Ed in uh, Dulwich say, we saw, we saw Joe Brand and she said hello and seems very down to earth. Oh, she's very down to earth. 
You can't find anybody more down to earth than Joe Brand. And from um, one here says, I'm a delivery driver from Sainsbury's, Mo from Camden, and getting tips is really important with the minimum wage they pay. Obviously, we'll deliver, even if it's five floors, and to the kitchen, and even offer to put the shopping away. But I would expect a tip. Would you? Well, my godchildren went to Turkey, and somebody carried their bags up to the room, and then stood there waiting for the tip. She said, we didn't know what to say, because <laughs> they didn't have any Turkish money. They didn't have anything on them, so uh, they just sort of stood there staring at the person until the person went away. <laughs> Makes them sound mean, doesn't it? But they weren't mean. Weren't mean at all. Uh, right, let's start wandering through the papers, shall we? I, I want to sort of... I know that the, uh, the, the jet that crashed on the A27... What was amazing, looking at the pictures uh, back, was people sitting at tables having cups of tea... And there's this huge ball of flame in the sky. They're just looking down at the table. They're not even bothering to look at this thing, that's uh, this inferno that was uh, raging. Cars waiting at the red light were hit. Five cyclists in the ball of flame. And uh, nobody jumped up and went, oh, what? Perhaps they thought it was like a firework display or something. It's, it's not happened before, not in, in 63 years. So now it has. And I don't know how many days the Shoreham... Uh, air show is going to be on. I'm assuming it might even be on today, but not not a clue at the moment. And uh, so we'll, we'll we'll talk about the page. We'll run through the front pages. We'll delve into the stories inside, and we'll see if we can find something to inflame your passion for uh, newspapers. Or failing that, to go well, I don't need to buy a newspaper now because we've heard Steve Allen's newspaper review on LBC. Quarter to seven. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 14 minutes to seven. Ian reckons that having his uh, aircon installed some years ago was the best 1,500 quid he's ever spent. Perfectly chilled in the summer and toasty warm in the winter. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't live without aircon and fans and things like that. It just makes your life complete. It really does. But yesterday was way too hot. Oh, horrible. And you suddenly appreciate air conditioning when you go outside and you can't breathe. So all the papers are full of this uh, dreadful crash at the Shoreham Air Show. The driver... Uh, the pilot uh, was a very experienced pilot. However, what he did was an extra role, I think. And in fact, the last time there was a disaster uh, where Brian Brown died, his World War Two hurricane crashed after carrying out an unplanned barrel roll. In other words, they have a set routine. Then obviously they think at the last minute, oh, I'll just chuck something else in. So he goes into the spin, he goes into the loop. And of course, he's too low to the ground and it crashes. And uh, there are people sitting there at the table just kind of staring at it, really. Cars waiting at the red light were hit. Five cyclists were caught in this ball of flame. And uh, the driver of this, uh, this Daimler Sovereign, the roof just sheared off before the bride's big day. So, and we don't know whether or not there are other bodies that they're going to find. It is highly likely that they might. The police are working with the emergency services and uh, we'll let you know the details as and if they emerge throughout the day here on LBC. 12 to 7. Uh, just going back to the charity scandal, the Collapse Kids Charity, and uh, the organisation which pocketed £37 million of taxpayers' money went bust this month amid a storm over its grants. I mean, to be honest with you, quite clearly, somebody was running it who had no idea how to run it at all. But like a petulant child who was having something taken... Give me the, give me the toy. Give me the toy. Give me the toy back. No. And it's exactly like that. She is so arrogant with the whole thing. She refuses to accept that it was her responsibility, which, of course, it was. And uh, now there are stories, and in fact, the summer running one today, £10,000 spent on an adult to fund a sex change operation. Well, it's got nothing to do with adult. This is supposed to be for children. 
children. So again, she's not fit for purpose. She should never be allowed near another charity again, you know, until it's all been sorted out. I mean, occasionally, a solicitor for the charity said, specific funding was obtained to pay for private medical treatment where it was considered necessary. It's a children's charity. It's not adults. Oh, dear me. I'm glad this woman should be never, never allowed anything. Um, there's the Great British Bake Off. The Great British Have It Off, I think, this time round. Uh, the baking star and the married teacher, Sandy in a fling with a dad of two. He was the head of a primary. And uh, they kept that quiet. The trouble is, people are so willing to tell the newspapers, so willing to say, you see that woman on the Bake Off programme? She's having an affair. She's been having it for ages. And then you've got um, Sue Perkins um, and uh, the other deeply unfunny one uh, doing gags and things like that. You know, the smuttier the better. Although, you know, Sue Perkins talking about the taste of nuts is coming through. It's hilarious. What would she know? I merely put that forward as a, as a thought for you this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, plus, what else do we have? Oh, we had lots of stories. Well, there's, there's an editorial, actually, uh, about kids' company. Uh, taxpayers putting in the money. With the backing of our two most recent PMs, the founder, Camilla, used the public purse as a private bank to prop up her ailing organisation. And uh, kids becoming homeless because of kids' companies. Recklessness, they say, is a shameful legacy. It's never the bosses who pay the price. It's those they profess to help. And she and the senior team, including Alan Yentob, should hang their heads in shame. They say many charities do vital work, but just because something says it's a charity doesn't mean it's all good. And in this particular case, kids' company was not all good. And that's why they decided to pull the money. Uh, the Sun on Sunday has um, busted a revenge porn plot by the ex-boyfriend of Danielle Lloyd. That'll be the racist Danielle Lloyd, one of those who picked on Shilpa Shetty in the house. A woman who just absolutely loves the attention. And as I've said a million times, if you don't want to have stories like this getting in the papers, don't make the films in the first place. She obviously made a sex tape and the bloke she made it with tried to flog it for £200,000. Tom Johnson was recorded boasting two graphic clips would boost the career... Oh, sorry, of the uh, of the Miss... Uh, Miss Great Britain. I nearly said Miss World and elevated her. <laughs> so, wasn't so exciting at all, really. But I've often said, if you if you don't want to find yourself in the newspapers, you know, with you know a sex tape that you've made, don't make. A, why do you want to make a sex tape unless you're really stupid? I feel a bit depressed actually. Nobody's ever asked me to make a sex tape at all, mainly because there isn't a piece of film short enough. Carol Decker's just sent me a, a text this morning because she's up. She's up with a lark. And actually, I think we should all get up early this morning. I think it's absolutely necessary that we're up very, very early to try and make the most of the day. And she says, I'm in the dodgy thyroid club too, just taking my daily dose of levothyroxin. <laughs> you see, I, I, I take it, I, think, I forget how many times a day I take it. I think it's three times a day. Morning, lunchtime, evening. Or is it morning, two at... No, it's, I tell you, it's morning, two at lunchtime. So it's, it's three, three tablets in the course of the day. We've got to that age, Carol, haven't we, where all of a sudden you start taking tablets and you discuss... With, we had a conversation yesterday. I can't even begin to tell you what this conversation was about. But it was, um, it was very funny and it involved my godchildren's uh, grandmother. And I can't even begin to tell you. I, she said to me, she said, you, you, you won't talk about this, will you, Steve, on the programme? I said, no, 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 I won't. But I was going to mention the hairdressers, Andy's. 
and uh, because they, they, they listen all the time, so that's quite good. Probably during the week, actually. Uh, Steve says, uh, we were in Bristol yesterday, so we thought we might drive over to Western Supermare for, uh, for Banksy's Dismal Land. Waited nearly two hours in the baking sun. Nearly gave up, but it was worth it. Only three quid. A surreal experience. All the staff were grumpy and rude. And uh, the exhibits were amazing. They search your luggage for pens. Get it? Most amusing and great fun for those who like ironic art. Steve's in the Cotswold. I'm, I, so I'm, I'm glad all the staff were grumpy and rude. That's what, I, that's what I'd be hoping. I'd be hoping that they would be grumpy and rude and horrible. It's very clever, isn't it? What a, what a clever thing to do. What a clever thing to do. Uh, TFL goes on about how great their trains are with the aircon system that they've installed. He said, try out the Metropolitan line, Steve. It's a joke. They won't turn it up because it'd be too cold, says John in Northwest One. I like it. I've heard those adverts. I've heard them. I, I quite like it. As I say, well, I love a bit of air conditioning. At the moment, water. I could drink water till the cows came home. Seriously, I mean, I mean I'm thinking of installing a fridge in the car. I mean, I know it sounds pretentious. God, it sounds pretentious. But I thought, you could buy, like, a cool box and I can plug it in the boot. I've got a plug socket in the boot. And I could plug it in there and I could keep my water in there. And that would keep it nice. making my mouth water now. That, that could keep it nice and chilled. Because I think if you're going out in London, and Noreen's advice is very good, take, take a bottle of water, pour off some of the water uh, so it's not right up to the top, so otherwise it'll force the cap off, and put it in the freezer. And it will freeze... But because the water expands, it'll take it right up to the top. And uh, you take it out with you. And then as the day goes on, the ice will melt. You will have permanently chilled water. How cool is that? There you go. A free bit of... uh, A free bit of advice from the Steve Allen Show. Actually, somebody gave me that years and years ago. And then I think we we sort of passed it on to as many people as possible. So it means that you can have ice-cold water, which is lovely. Christo was also talking about... There's so many things Christo was talking about uh, yesterday, including himself. And he uh, does a lot of that. And he was talking about cars on the road and which ones people didn't like and stuff like that. I found that quite interesting. And also the colour of the cars. Silver. Silver, wasn't it, really? Silver, I think. Uh, Another one here. Uh, The air show's been cancelled today as a mark of respect, says Ed. Uh, so, and everybody else saying, don't worry, Steve, the Shoreham Air Show is not on today. Well, they, they couldn't, could they? They couldn't. How could they put it on? You know, people died yesterday, seven people. Uh, and that's only what we know so far. The other story, the BBC uh, sacking the Met Office as its forecaster for 93 years. They've ditched their partnership with the state-owned group because they want to slash costs. I don't know how much they spend on things like this. Um, I've got no idea. I'm assuming that all the weather people on the BBC come from the Met Office. So, in other words, once they've changed their supplier, all these people disappear. They'll all be unemployed, won't they? Or are they going to keep them? I don't know. I've got no idea. If anybody knows... the Oh, God, here she is again. This uh, In Tony Parsons' column, he talks about poor show Millie. Poor, as in P-A-W. This is the ridiculous Millie McIntosh, a more stupid person to be hard-pushed to find. And uh, they say, we, do we really have to insist on those inverted commas uh, with Made in Chelsea star Millie McIntosh? He says here, because of her busy work schedule, Millie, pictured with ex-pet Herbie, has given away three of her dogs. Somebody should tell her a dog is for life and not just for a cute photo shoot. Millie, dogs are not empty-headed playthings that we can simply toss aside when we get bored with them. That's what we do with a reality TV star. Ridiculously stupid woman. Honestly. So she has dogs. And then because she's just so busy, it's just so busy being Millie McIntosh, isn't it? Or being a complete airhead. She gives them away. 
It's really disgraceful. You shouldn't be allowed to have a dog ever again. You really shouldn't. Oh, look. Slough is the number one town for... Well, bombing it used to be. But uh, apparently, threesomes, according to As- Ashley Madison. Threesome? What, like bridge or something like that? I don't know. Randy Bournemouth goes silly for spanking and Sheffield cheats are begging for bondage. You know, honestly, my life is so dull. There's spanking and bondage going on. And what am I waiting for and getting excited over? Rain. Rain. All I want is it to rain so I can take all my clothes off and go and stand outside in the rain just to upset everybody. (laughs) Isn't it funny, all these different places? This is just from a website that they learn that people are into spanking. And, and sort of bondage. I mean, bondage. I've never, I, can't, I don't really get it at all, actually. But there again, I don't get anything at all. Uh, the train shooter taken down. This is the hero Brit who helped disarm a train terror gunman, said, I'd rather die fighting than sitting down. This is uh, Chris Norman received a medal for his role in tackling an AK-wielding maniac with three brave Americans. Yes, well done to them. Well done to them. This person should have been kicked into touch. We've just come back from Syria, apparently. Oh, Cheryl Spagbowl's in some of the papers today. Not all of them, because they're a bit bored with her, same as I am. And she's holding off on parenthood so she can carry on partying. Carry on partying? Cheryl Spagbowl was the least exciting member of Girls Aloud. But they say here that uh, she was the one who always caned it. She was known as one of Pop's top caners. For that read, drunks, ladies and gentlemen. For that read, a bad drunk. For that read, a really bad drunk in the case of uh, Cheryl Spagbowl. And so apparently she likes kink, uh, clinking cocktail glasses. The trouble is, you c- if she doesn't even know Cara Delevingne is, what's the point? You can't have a conversation with her. Seriously, you might as well talk to an empty pint pot. It'd make it so much easier. I like the idea that Blackadder's coming back. I'm all in favour of that uh, because we absolutely adore Blackadder. 26 years it has been absent from the screen. And uh, Tony uh, Robinson, Sir Tony Robinson, has revealed he's spoken with the rest of the cast about a new series. Oh, go on. Go on. It was just it was so beautifully written and it was so wonderful. And then I watched uh, somebody the other day uh, and they were singing the praises of Victoria Wood and talking about just how brilliant the scripts were for Acorn Antiques and all the other stuff. But uh, they, they talked about the first time they actually popped themselves on the television, and the audience were all white-haired people busting from old people's homes, which they used to do for Des O'Connor, and they'd sit there. They didn't know where they were half the time, but uh, it made up an audience, and occasionally they would laugh at the right thing. Uh, in the papers today, as we head towards the news at 7 o'clock, good morning, incidentally, ITV and the BBC scramble to do a Scylla tribute show as she hits number one, um, support for gay rugby league star Keegan Hurst. Apparently Elton John phoned him. Where did he get his phone number from? I mean, where, you know, I don't understand it. Lewis Hamilton rapped over a video of him uh, shooting a machine gun. Rat-infested kitchens in the takeaways will name and shame. What price to kick Katie off television? This depressingly sad person with the most boring voice has been unmasked in the papers today as a little bit of a fraud. And uh, the embarrassment that is Cheryl Spagbowl. All of that and more next. On FM, online, on, on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's coming up four minutes past seven. I'm still waiting for the rain. I'm not a bitter person, but we were promised it by the Met Office. But there again, when have they ever got it right? Sunday, the 23rd of August. Seven killed in that airshow inferno. The death toll could rise. The papers on the front pages. Whether we should have things like this, an inferno where people lost their lives, I don't know. 
Uh, Russell Brand is giving the world a break from his rants after cancelling his YouTube show, thank goodness. And Twitter, he says he's uh, tired of being the news. Well, it's only because you say such stupid things, isn't it, really? Uh, the BBC plan to make five more series of Poldark. Uh, support for the gay rugby league star Keegan Hurst, if only Elton John, I'd start worrying now, matey, uh, has voiced his support. How he got his phone number, I've got no idea. I've been in the business for ages and I don't have his phone number. Why would Elton John have his phone number? He phones up and goes, Elton John here. Oh, yes, wait a minute, we'll find you the uh, the gay rugby player's phone number. Hold on a sec. Here it is. And they just sort of hand it out like sort of jelly babies. Uh, Jihadi John, unmasked in Syria. We know who he is anyway. We know his parents are still living over here. Uh, Kids Company, uh, helping scores of immigrants stay in the UK on benefits. As usual, the founder of the company is the one who closed it down because somebody obviously somewhere tweaked to the fact she hadn't got the faintest idea. It was almost as if you or I were sitting at home and every so often millions of pounds pours in through the letterbox. And so you start doing what you want to do. You start going, um, oh, I think I'd like to help that family two doors away. And they go, OK. And so you start helping that family. Then they go, oh, I've got a friend who needs a new garden. Do it. Oh, don't worry, I've got some money here. And then the money starts running out. You go on television and more money piles in. And the government wanted to get involved in it. They don't want to miss out on something like this. Larger than life woman in both senses. You know, wants, wants money. We can be some, we're doing something really good. This is kids company. Nobody ever checked the facts. Nobody ever checked what she was doing until it was too late. By that time, she'd got rid of so much money. You know, she was claiming we helped 36,000 children. Well, it's been closed now for a few weeks. Uh, Heard any reports of children dying on the streets yet? People, you know, turning up at police stations, starving? No, me neither. Me neither. Uh, If pink Viagra is the answer, the question is really stupid. Pink Viagra. Blue for boys, pink for girls. Uh, The curry house crisis. Apparently two curry houses shut every week. Um, That is true, but it's always been like that. It's always they're the easiest things to open up and the easiest things to close down. You know, we have a number of curry houses where we are. You've probably got exactly the same people like the the takeaways. Uh, But are we falling out of love with curries? Are we falling more in love with Thai and Chinese again? Are we rediscovering? You know, it's not the usual Chinese that it used to be. And Thai food's always been really nice. People like Thai food. Perhaps we've just fallen out of love with chicken tikka masala and we don't want any more onion bhajis and things like this because it's all deep fried and it's really bad for you. And so we've decided to give the curry houses a miss. Two closing, you know, is, is, is actually quite every week. Two closing is quite a lot. I think there are more... More Indian restaurants in the country than you could shake a stick at. So we'll wait and see. Uh, Blackadder returning after 26 years. We thought that was extremely good news. John Terry's lost a million in, a, in a, an investment scam. Didn't really get much sympathy on that one, I'm afraid, from any of you, really. And uh, in the poshest village in the country, the stars have been blamed for the slump. It's the place where you can find um, what's-a-face, old, old Wayne, Wayne Rooney and ha 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 yeah, both of them there. And so uh, they, they, they prefer to go to the posh shops because uh, they've kind of forgotten their sort of working class roots and forgotten that local businesses need some help. They really do. My God, what is that there? That's a roll over a stomach. It's old Gemma Collins. Not selfie conscious. I know, in a bikini. Ooh, dear me. <laughs> Small one to single, as they say. Don't want to be rude, but, you know. Uh, Gemma, 68. Uh, that's around round the middle. Uh, was taking a break in Portugal. Not that she's actually done any work for a while, but uh, she's taking... I love it when they go, she's taking a break. And the reason she's put on weight, she says, I'm a size 20. 
I did get down to a size, I think you're at least a 20, dear. I think you're being a bit conservative on that one. I did get down to an 18, but filming stresses me out. Oh, well, I think we should definitely get you back working then, darling. We don't want any more filming of you, thank you. I mean, it's bad enough as it is, seeing a picture of you on holiday. Obviously, a photographer friend over you. And also, if you are that size, I think a bikini's not, it's not right. Shouldn't really wear. It upsets children who are trying to swim there. Mummy, mummy, there's a whale. You know, you mustn't. It's not nice to do it. And so uh, then she had a meltdown and I'm a celeb. Uh, She's been tipped for celebrity big brother. I don't know why she's not a celebrity. She's just a fat bird with no talent. You know, there's loads of them on television, but at least most of them can sing and do something. She can't do anything. She just has public breakdowns and uses foul language. That's not being talented or a star, as far as I'm concerned. Mind you, I was horrified to discover that Grace Jones went topless at a music festival in New York. Grace Jones is now 67 and looks it. I always remember her with Russell Harty. She was a nasty little piece of work. She was rude and offensive, not particularly gifted in the uh, in the talent department. She just sort of made it through being a little bit loud and obnoxious. And she turned up on the Russell Harty show. He did an interview with her. And then another guest comes on. And so he's in the middle and he turns round to face the other guest. So she hits him. Don't turn your back on me. And she, I mean, I assumed she was drunk. A little bit difficult to tell, actually, with Grace Jones. And she spent most of her life just throwing tantrums. And that was about it, really. So at 67, going uh, topless here, she covered her body in tribal-style paint. But, I mean, she is a bit of a waste of space. When she was over here to do some work, she was late on stage all the time. And, frankly, I think somebody who's late on stage, that's just rude. That's just rude. Not, uh, not, not good enough. Uh, the ITV and the BBC are scrambling to do a Scylla tribute special. Biggins has done a really lovely interview in one of the papers this morning on, uh, on what she was like. You know, because the public didn't know. Even her her boys alluded to the fact that she was childlike. Bobby had done everything. I think Biggins said that uh, he went round to pick her up to take her out for dinner. And she gave him the uh, the credit card. And he said, what's that? She said, "That that's to pay for dinner. And he said, no. He said, we'll, we'll go Dutch. She didn't even know what going Dutch meant. She had no idea at all. She was That was the sort of person she was. Bobby had done everything for her. Literally, the investments, sorted out the houses, done everything. So there you go. So they're going to scramble to do a tribute special. Actually, I got a bit carried away. I went online onto Amazon and ordered loads of Scylla things. Including uh, uh, a box set, uh, some DVDs of the shows. I just got a bit carried away with it because uh, I like listening to her songs. I, I remember playing them on air ages and ages ago. So here's a picture of, and this is the man called um, uh, Jefferson King. I didn't know who Jefferson King was. I really didn't. I know who, who the gladiators are. And he was Shadow. And he quickly became a favourite, as they did. I just thought it was a bit of a naff programme. I, I didn't really like gladiators. I thought it was for children. Certainly wasn't for adults. And they all turned up there, sort of these over-pumped-up people. And um, and he was sort of out there. And the, then they had Warrior and they had... Who was one of the other ones? Scorpio and all that kind of stuff. So Was that, well, was that the one who went... Like the the wolf. Oh, right, the, the wolf. He was odd. He was odd, honestly. Have you ever seen somebody tease a little tiny bit of hair into sort of... It just looked really peculiar. And then, you know, and over here, wolf. <sighs> like that. Really scary. And all they did was fight with giant cotton buds. Anyway, he, um, he says, why did the American people make an absolute fortune? And uh, we didn't. He hit rock bottom. He became a grave digger. I don't actually see if there's anything the matter with being a grave digger now. That can't be that that difficult. And uh, the show was axed. He says he's been virtually erased from the show's history because he was axed for taking drugs. You know, which is kind of fair enough. You know, I don't understand. And so now he's 54. 
He reveals how his life unravelled in a decade-long drug addiction when the cameras stopped rolling. He went from primetime television earning £750 a show to pocketing £3.60 as a gravedigger. £750 a show, is that what they got? Wow. It's even better. I could have been a gladiator. I could have been a gladiator. Ladies and gentlemen, Petal. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of any name that you'd be. When, when they brought them back, I'd, I'd lost interest in the thing anyway. But he used to go out stealing. He says, I was a great manipulator of people. I'd make up all sorts of excuses to borrow cash. I would steal anything from toothpaste to meat. If I stole five pounds of uh, five packs of beef fillets at nine pound a pack, I could make more bucks to pay for the drugs. And that's it. That's a classic example. Kids of don't ever take drugs. You know, you end up with nothing. Absolutely end up with nothing. I mean, when you think that Gladiators was axed in the year 2000, that's 15 years ago. And we're still talking about him now. He said, American gladiators are millionaires. We got none of that because you're a druggie. You know, they, they, they don't do things like that in America. Some of them fall off the wagon and that's it. But over here, you can't afford to do it. The viewing figures fell below five million. Well, there you go. But uh, anyway, uh, James Crossley remained active in bodybuilding and works in gyms across London. Uh, Lightning, who's really uh, Kim Betts, is 43 and runs businesses. Uh, Jet. <sighs> Jet. That was uh, Diane Udale. Was forced to retire after a neck injury. And um, uh, it's the psychiatrist. Oh, she trained in Pilates, but is a psychotherapist. Ace, played by Warren Furman, dated Katie Price. Oh, God, everybody dated Katie Price. Who didn't? Come on, hands up now. Anybody not date Katie? No? All right, one. We found one. One person who didn't date Katie Price. Uh, Wolf runs a chain of gyms in New Zealand. Michael Van Wyck. He's 63 now, Wolf. In other words, he's a fairly ancient wolf. And so they're all out there. But I suppose, you know, there's going to be those who are going to fall by the wayside. There are going to be those for whom, you know, time forgot. And to be honest with you, I didn't know who he was. You have to kind of remind yourself, don't you? Just to say, you go, oh, it was he was so... Was he? Oh, right, I don't know. I remembered Wolf and I remember Jet. But uh, there are certainly other people that I do not remember. There's a picture of Dale Winton. Sporting, they say, a mohawk. It's not really a mohawk. Well, I don't know. It might be, actually. I don't know. Difficult to tell, really. And uh, he's obviously heading back from Patisserie Valerie. And they say his celebrated town was replaced by red skin and bags under his eyes, at times covered by sunglasses. Well, I don't know why, because he's... Oh, he is holding sunglasses. I live in sunglasses. I live in... Although the trouble is, if it's been a really hot day, you take them off and you look like you're a panda. You look like a panda. But, uh, no, he's been to Patisserie Valerie and he's probably bought himself a couple of cakes and he's very happy. So uh, why not? I think they were saying, you know, he didn't go to Scylla's funeral. I didn't think he was back in the country for it. I thought he'd only just uh, got back in. Other stories from the papers we will bring you, including uh, Carol Malone, not a fan of uh, Amal Clooney. And uh, also, what else? Oh, she's not a a fan, of course, of boring abs, is anybody. Did you know that he made that programme, Abs on the Farm? This is Abs doing his funny little, you know, thing here. And... um, According to Carol Malone, he filmed the documentary himself two years ago. He's been trying to flog it ever since. Luckily for him, BBC Two picked up on it. Unluckily for them, nobody's watching. I mean, a sadder programme. It'd be our push to find, ladies and gentlemen. Quarter past seven. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 20 minutes past seven. Apparently, according to Chris Lowry, he knows these things. Because I said, you know, where, where is this rain? Where is this rain we were promised? I thought by two o'clock this morning I'd be dressed head to toe in a sou'wester. And he says it is coming today, but not as bad as predicted. You see? 
Always somebody wishing to dampen it, isn't there, really? So we're going to get rain, but not not as bad, which is a, which is a great shame, because I was looking forward to some, some really, really bad... There is actually something, it's, um, uh, it's a poem kind of thing. It's, uh, it's a funny... Funny thing. So I'm just trying to find something on the internet. Uh, Vicky says, loved your chat with Belinda this morning. Belinda Carlyle repeated at nine o'clock this evening. And uh, Nick wants to know what's happened to Cathy Burke. She's retired. She said she wanted to come out of acting for a little while, actually. And so that's exactly what she's uh, done. Um, and Sean says, did you see the Towie stars on Keep It In The Family? I was impressed they could all read. I wouldn't guarantee it was them doing it. I think they were probably being fed the answers or something. And uh, and Carol Decker is playing the Rewind Festival today. Beautiful, as she says, in Henley, which, of course, it is. I know that. If you've actually... How lovely. Hope the weather stays nice for you. I wouldn't, wouldn't, entirely, uh, wouldn't entirely hope that it was going to be. And, um, and then William says, I'm up at the golf club already. And uh, he said... Uh, before it gets too hot and I melt and then moan about it all day. I like uh, I like moaning about the weather. That's what we do, isn't it? That's what we do. We actually moan about the weather. Can you print that off for me? I just I was only tempted because when I was listening to Christo earlier on and he was um, he was bemoaning the fact that he's a dog person, so he's obviously bought a dog, and he doesn't like cats. And I know lots of people who've got cats. It's funny, not everybody likes cats, not everybody likes dogs. Some people don't like any animals at all. I love, you know, I could quite happily, you know, have either cats or dogs. It would make no difference to me. I think as kittens, they're absolutely delightful. But then I think dogs as puppies are delightful. <laughs> uh, Michael says, no rain in the West Midlands yet. And uh, and Terence says it'll be arriving about two-ish. So obviously he knows that. And Julie says, I hope he gets here soon. And in Worcestershire, says Sally, can't work the weather out. Clear sky. In Worcestershire. Yvonne says no rain yet. And uh, Annabelle says uh, Steve Allen show TV for the athletics and LBC for you. Multitasking. I like the multitasking. But listening to listening to Christo reminded me of uh, the problems that we used to have with our cat years ago when you would go to the vet when you could still afford to go to the vet. And you would uh, you'd get your little tablets and the cat would look at you. You take the cat in in the cat box. And you'd sit there and all the other animals would be sitting in there. And there'd be some, do- some dogs, I'm sure, lived in the, in the vets. And I can remember the, uh, the vet trying to explain to us how to give the cat the tablet. And so I was delighted to actually get from the Canadian Veterinary Journal the official line on how to give a cat a tablet. First of all, pick up the cat. If, if you've got one of those sort of semi-wild cats, pick it up and just cradle it in the crook of your left arm. Okay, as if you're sort of holding a baby, you position the right forefinger and thumb either side of the cat's mouth and gently apply pressure to the cheeks whilst holding the pill in the right hand. As the cat opens its mouth, pop the pill in, allow the cat to close the mouth and swallow. Retrieve the pill from the floor and the cat from behind the sofa. Cradle the cat in the left arm and repeat the process. Get the cat back from the bedroom, throw the soggy pills away. Take a new pill from the foil wrap, cradle cat in left arm, holding rear paws tightly with left hand. Force jaws open, push pill to back of mouth with right forefinger, hold mouth mouth shut for a count of ten. Retrieve the pill from the goldfish bowl and the cat from the top of the wardrobe. Call the spouse from the garden. 
Kneel on the floor with the cat wedged firmly between your knees. Hold the front and rear paws. Ignore the low, low growls which will be emitted by the cat. Get spouse to hold head firmly with one hand whilst forcing wooden ruler into mouth. Drop pill down ruler and rub cat's throat vigorously. Retrieve cat from curtain rail. Get another pill from the foil wrap. Make note to buy new ruler and repair curtain. Carefully sweep shattered figurine and vase from hearth and set aside later for gluing. Wrap cat in large towel and get spouse to lie on cat with head just visible from below armpit. Put pill in end of drinking straw. Force mouth open with pencil and blow down drinking straw. Check label to make sure pill not harmful to humans. Drink one beer to take taste away. Apply band-aid to spouse's forearm and remove blood from carpet with cold water and soap. <laughs> Retrieve cat from neighbour's shed. Get another pill. Open another beer. Place cat in cupboard. Close door onto neck, leaving head showing. Force mouth open with dessert spoon. Flick pill down throat with elastic band. Fetch screwdriver from garage and put cupboard door back on hinges. Drink beer. Fetch bottle of scotch. Pour shot. Drink. Apply cold compress to cheek and check records for date of last tetanus shot. Apply whiskey compress to cheek to disinfect. Toss back another shot. Throw T-shirt away and fetch new one from bedroom. Call fire department to retrieve the damn cat from the tree across the road. Apologise to neighbour who crashed into fence while swerving to, to avoid cat. Take last pill from foil wrap. Tie the little so-and-so's front paws to rear paws with garden twine and bind tightly to leg of dining table. Find heavy-duty pruning gloves from shed. Push pill into mouth followed by large piece of steak. Fill it. Be rough about it. Hold head vertically and pour two pints of water down throat to wash pill down. Consume remainder of scotch. Get spouse to drive you to the emergency room. Sit quietly while doctor stitches fingers and forearm and removes pill remnants from right eye. Call furniture shop on way home to order a new table. Arrange for the RSPCA to collect mutant cat from hell and call local pet shop to see if they've got any hamsters. <laughs> Every time I read that, it just makes me laugh. Because you know, because you ask anybody who's got a cat, cats are really clever. You know, you you put the, the pill in the cat's mouth. And it's like, you know, people do it to us as well. I remember my mother, as a, as, you know, when I was a child. And she put a pill in your mouth and you keep it there. And she'd go, is it gone? you go, yeah. Open your mouth. And of course, you'd hidden it under your tongue. And she'd say, lift your tongue up. It's still there. Is it? You, you always express surprise, don't you? Good heavens, Bubba. I had no idea that the tablet was still in my mouth. I tell you, he's not very well, actually, at the moment. Talking of people not very, very well. Jim Bowen has revealed he's uh, fighting to walk and talk after suffering his third stroke. He's struggling. He's struggling badly. He says, I'm one of the lucky ones. I'm still here and I've had a good life. He was 78 on Thursday. He'll never work again. But uh, there again, I don't think he was uh, planning on doing that. He said, bullseye wasn't actually as bad as people said it was. Oh, no, it really was. It really was terrible. He says, although I was embarrassed watching myself at times, even the prizes weren't that daft. It was dec decades ago and we, we give, used to give away a car. Yeah, they'd have two people, though. They'd have to share it. You have the front seats, I'll have the back seats. So we wish him well. He is struggling to walk and talk and his wife's uh, still with him. He says, I'm not ashamed of bullseye. Well, no, you wouldn't be. It was a television programme. It was of the, uh, of the period, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, and, a, and a good time, I think, was sort of had by all. People liked Bullseye. 
you know, it was it was one of those those game shows. Eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot uh, Kathicus says, can you imagine firefighters expecting a tip after putting out your house fire? Yes, I mean I agree with you. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Uh, another one here. So it just makes me laugh every time I keep thinking about like, giving the cat the tablet. Uh, <laughs> it can rain all day today. Says Vicky, as far as I'm concerned, I'm working. It'll save me having to listen to customers keep saying, oh, what lovely weather I'm missing. <laughs> uh, Robbie says, is Chris still living in that beach hut? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Pouring in Bristol, the home of Banksy, says Christine. Says, love your programme. And uh, Colette says, just got back in from a 10-kilometre run. It's warm out there already. Rain coming from about 2 o'clock. And somebody says to me, my daughter just moved to Whitstable. What a dump. OK restaurants. Why has everybody gone mad on Whitstable? Because I thought it was it was quite nice. I've got some friends who live in Whitstable. They like it down there. They like it a lot. It's one of those sort of places. You go you go to Whitstable and it's sort of it's it's seaside resort, isn't it? But it's sort of it's a fishing, a fishing port thing, isn't it? It's quite nice. I mean, all right. So you get pebbles on the beach. I mean, who cares? Goodness sake. Not exactly going to be building sandcastles anytime soon, are you? Uh, let's have a this. <laughs> Okay, right, I think I've managed to get it right. It's 7.30. Latest news headlines with Philip Krisikos. The pilot of a plane which crashed onto a road in West Sussex... Outrageous. Nice to have you company. Welcome along to the uh, programme this morning. Stig will be along at 8 o'clock. We always have a little chat, actually. And the the adverts always finish just as we get into the interesting bit. Just as we get to the interesting conversation. We have to stop, but no doubt he will continue that after the news at 8 o'clock this morning. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Do you remember the uh, the couple a while You might not remember them. Stephen and Michelle Beer. Do you remember them, Stephen and Michelle Beer? They were the couple who were too fat to work. Anyway, they uh, they sort of lost a little bit of weight. And uh, then they tried for a baby, and she's just miscarried. Uh, they were preparing for a wedding. They went on Channel 5's documentary, Too Fat to Work. Uh, this was paid for by their... They get £24,000 a year handout. Two grand a month. Seriously, I mean, it's it's absolutely... We've got to stop this benefits lark. It really is, because there's no incentive for people to actually get out there and work. You know, if you give somebody twenty four grand a year and they go, oh, right, now they find a television programme to put them on, so they become, in inverted commas, famous. I don't, I don't quite understand it. You know, get off your fat bottoms, get out there and get a proper job. You're not too fat to work. You can do something. You must be able to do something. But uh, they, they vowed to turn their life around. Whether they've turned it around, I've got no idea. And then Laura Tobin has revealed she has no plans to start a family. I don't even know who Laura Tobin is. Am I supposed to know? I'm, I'm supposed to have a fairly good in-depth knowledge of show business. But I don't know who she is. So wait a minute. Oh, she's the weather girl on the television. Why would anybody worry about a weather girl on the television? She married her boyfriend in 2000. She confessed, we may not have children. I find babies really scary. That's the basis of this little tiny interview. My fear of babies. Took two people to write this in the paper. Which paper is this? The People. Two people to write it. Unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. You know, because woman has fear of babies. I mean, God, your life must be one one endless party. And uh, in The People, they've got Cheryl Ma- Sharon Marshall on TV. God, I think she'd finish completely. But uh, what does she do? The Saturday night story meant to celebrate, but instead she said it raised an uncomfortable truth that Saturday night telly is dire nowadays. Yes, I mean, in the early days, 
in the early days, it was good. Saturday night telly, the BBC for me was always going to be Noel's house party. It was always the best programme on the television. It was good, clean, family fun. People could win some prizes and, uh, and it, was, it was lovely. And then obviously somebody at the BBC went because he'd lost a bit of rating. That's never stopped them before, has it? Never stopped them. They could have propped it up. They could have done something. And I've campaigned for God knows how many years to make the BBC do Noel's Christmas presents. Sky do it, and it's very good, but the BBC did it better. And no, that's where people write in to Noel and the team, and they, and they sort of make somebody's dream come true. And it's, it's beautifully done. Seriously, it makes you cry buckets. A bit like E.T., which I watched again the other day, and it never fails to make you cry. There's something about it. And then I watched the extras on... E.T.'s DVD on the Blu-ray, which had an interview with the cast on how they got them to do the things that they got them to do. They, they, they wanted them to believe that E.T. was real, and they did end up believing that he was a proper character. They, they did cry. They did cry at certain moments. It was beautifully done, beautifully done. And um, Margaret writing to the uh, paper today. They always write in about celebrities, so people writing in about um, Keegan Hurst applauded by uh, Luke in West Yorkshire for coming out as gay to his family, teammates and the public. I sincerely hope he writes to the paper he's treated no differently than before by both the players and the fans alike. Oh, well, dream on. Dream on. And, uh, and Margaret writes about whatever you think about singer Lee Ryan. And people do think things about Lee Ryan. Uh, he managed to beat his alcoholism and will hopefully inspire others to do the same. Becoming famous at 16 would have been tough to handle. He was a complete and utter buffoon, Margaret. OK, a complete and utter buffoon. Don't ever get it in your head that he wasn't. It's got nothing at all to do with, oh, he managed to turn to alcohol, he did this and that. The man was an idiot, a complete idiot. She said, sadly, so many young people drink far too much without much thought for their health or their actions. Listen, let them drink. Mind your own business. Nose out, OK? Nothing to do with you, what people do in their life. You stay up there in South Queen's Ferry in Edinburgh, wherever in God's name that is, and you, you know, just, just carry on. You do your own little things. Uh, Sharon Marshall was talking about Scylla's friends did her proud. How long for a book? How long before a book about Scylla? How long will that take? You know, it, it was, was the story as clean-cut as that? You know what we're like in this country. There'd be somebody, I bet there's somebody already writing a book about, let me tell you the truth about, you know, the real Scylla and all this. And we're all going to be going, no, we don't want to know anything. We want to, you know, we just want to sort of remember people as we remembered them from television. What people did in their private life has got absolutely nothing to do with us at all. Uh, Stig's going to be talking about that tragedy at Shoreham. Uh, there are fears, which I said earlier on, that the death co- toll could rise. At the moment, it's seven. And so we'll find out a little bit later on. But it's, you know, are these things safe? I've been to air shows for most of my life, especially as a child, because my father was in the forces. So we had the air shows all over the place. It never occurred to me they weren't safe. Although to get me up in a helicopter nowadays, you'd have to strap me in because I just for some reason, I feel less safe in a helicopter. I don't know why. I've got no idea. It's just something about a helicopter. But uh, planes I've been in, and if that was the first accident in God knows how many years, what is it, 63, like that. But again, the second time that they've added an extra bit, he added an extra bit that wasn't in the routine. I think because they get carried away and go, well, let's try this one out. Whoopee, too low. And the last time an accident happened, again, they did an extra bit on it, an extra roll, and that was the thing that that kind of did it for them. But it is... um, it is one of those things that there is the danger. I mean, there's the danger when you go to stock car racing, where people used to go to watch Evil Knievel. They were always hoping, you know, he'd jump the Grand Canyon and do all this kind of thing, that he'd have an accident. That's what they were hoping for. 
because people go there. You know, you go to stock car racing, you're going to watch people have accidents in cars. My thyroid, Steve, hasn't worked for uh, 17 years, so I sympathise with you, says Mo. We've had torrential rain and thunder and lightning last night. Nothing here. Nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. In fact, at the moment, it's sunshine, isn't it? Have we got sunshine out the window? It doesn't look too bad, does it? Sunshine at all. Laughing, laughing about the cat and the tablet, Steve. Our veterinary nurse and I couldn't even give my cat a tablet yesterday. Cat had a look. If she'd have spoken, she'd have been an Anne Whittacombe. No, I won't. I love that. Somebody said to me the other day, they said, every time you do that impression of of Anne Whittacombe, it just makes us laugh. This was after... um, uh, this was after uh, Anne Widdicombe had been filmed uh, for that Louis Theroux programme. He was going round her house, but in his own little way, he was going, oh, c- could we have a look at the bedroom? No, you can't. She didn't want people to go into the bedroom. I thought that's the most interesting thing. You'd want to see wherever Anne Widdicombe lays her vast body. You know, you'd load, you know, would there be, you know, was it a cat duvet? Would there be pictures of cat? Because she loved cats. I say she loved cats. It's not like she's she's left us or anything like that. Made it sound like she'd left, didn't she? No, she's still here. I'm still I'm sticking by it uh, that on the Strictly Come Dancing program, Ainsley Harriet will be about as irritating as he always was on the television. It's, it's about as irritating as Anthea Turner advertising that lottery thing in that silly white jumpsuit. Go away. Nobody likes you. Go away. Get really angry every time I see her. She's so irritating. But I predict that Peter Andre will have two left feet. I do not believe that Peter Andre can dance for toffee. I don't care whether he's going to stand there at the age of 43 or whatever he is now. Mind you, at least his kids will be there, because Pete loves his kids. And uh, so they'll be on every blasted shot, so that'll be irritating. And uh, Pete will have two left feet, because I've never seen him do a dance routine in all of his shows. Not one show has he ever done a dance routine. And I think he thinks he's a bit Michael Jackson. And he does that kind of thing. I think he'd be doing, you know, God, this is thriller. It'll be that kind of stuff. Because I don't think, and apart from, the, apart from that, he will sweat buckets on the programme. He sweated at the wedding to Jordan. But, I mean, wouldn't you, knowing what was around the corner? Woo, scary girl. And that's scary with clothes on when she takes them off. Woo. Even worse, even worse. So I'm, I'm predicting now, I'm willing to put money on the fact that poor old Pizzi will be the object of our, of our derision. We will laugh at him because he's going to have two left feet. He's not going to be able to dance for a toffee because, unfortunately, it's always been me, 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 me. He's never, ever shared anything with anybody. If you notice, he, he never shares anything. It's, it's, he's so wrapped up in his own funny little world with his loves his kids and uh, and they'll be in there as well and Ems will turn up that'll be nice but perhaps he's practicing with her at the moment do you think he knows what the Pasadoble is he'll probably call it the Pasadoble or something like that you could just tell that he hasn't got the faintest idea about anything to do obviously his agents persuaded him listen this is going to be your best gig this year try and learn some dancing before they kick you out and we all laugh uh, I did watch Katie Price in therapy Steve says Carol what a hoot the sort of man she wants wouldn't touch her with a barge pole. Well, it, it does seem that as the... There was one, one review, actually, and I can't remember who it was. It might have been Kevin O'Sullivan, who, who generally does these, these really good uh, reviews uh, about television programmes. And it's a case of... Oh, here we go, the gay rugby league star. Listen, he's come out, end of story. You know, this it's an ongoing thing. I mean, how much longer do we have to go on with it for? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Oh, I see that Sherry Houston has had a, another facelift. Presumably Sherry uh, Free is that one. Is that free today? I'm assuming so. And if you 
just don't want to cook at home, don't bother eating out. Some of these kitchens are absolutely disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. They really are. Uh, I'm trying to find... No, Carol Malone. Oh, she talks about the very badly dressed uh, Amal Clooney. What she was wearing the other day. Absolutely ghastly. As uh, Carol says, my mum would have said, you know, she looks like she got dressed in the dark. I know. It's no good having great hair if you just sort of... You just kind of ruin it with a silly little outfit. And, um... Apparently, black history campaigner Chaka Artwell has spoken about his love for the golly. The sweet, beautiful golly with his big smile has been wiped out because some people found it upsetting, but it doesn't denigrate me or my heritage. And I say, hear, hear, says Carol to that, because I'm tired of white people taking it upon themselves to decide what's racist or offensive to black people. I grew up with gollies and always adored them, and as Chaka points out, it's a good thing to have a caricature of an African male represented in the toy market. Seeing a golly always made me smile because they have great big smiles sewn onto their faces. So there you go. Producer's not totally convinced by this one at all. But I grew up with a golly. I had a golly. Everybody's grandparents made them a golly because it was a happy little soul. I think it got ruined, probably, by sort of the black and white minstrel show where we saw it as somebody, a white person, who'd blacked up and did the mammy, mammy kind of stuff like Al Jolson, you know, who also blacked up for his films. But, you know, the golly was a symbol of a happy... Th- it was a, a, a much-loved children's toy. You know, p- kids loved it. They didn't, they didn't not like gollies. People went, wow, I've got a golly. It was lovely. And I've, somewhere I've got mine. Where it is? It's probably in a box somewhere. But uh, it was made with love. It certainly wasn't made with uh, any thoughts of racism at all. And that's why that uh, chucker, that, uh, that black uh, advocate, has said it's ridiculous. I don't want white people telling me what's offensive to me or not. 14 to 8. Steve Allen on LBC. LBC. There we go. Extra bit of music there. No extra charge for that bit. You get that for free. Stick with you just after the news at 8 o'clock this morning. Ian says, have you seen the line-up for Celebrity Big Brother? A veritable who's who of show business. Janice Dickinson for the third time. Well, I mean, I'm assuming get her before she departs this mortal coil. I can't think uh, of any other reason why they would want to sort of put her on a programme. She was never good value. There's nothing, you know, we, we don't need any more Americans over here. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, thank you very much indeed for Lee sending me something about the foot care relay. Listen, I've got every known gadget, uh, every gadget known to man. Whilst I'm driving, I keep my water in my refrigerated centre console. Uh, says Sarah, I love my cool water and the designers at Volvo. Uh, so I couldn't be designed. I, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't drive a Volvo. Not my sort of car, actually, at all. And uh, nice to hear John and yourself recalling Bill Grundy. This is John Stapleton, who's with me in conversation this evening at nine o'clock with Belinda Carlisle. He was one of the originals on Granada Television when it first opened. Says Paul in Manchesterford. His son Tim followed him into the business, becoming a TV and radio presenter. Sadly, passed away at the early age of fifty in two thousand and nine. We got torrential. Rain last night from about half past seven until nine, but unbearably hot from the early morning. The bee will be keeping the Met Office for another extreme weather warning, according to the Telegraph, and must much outrage over the scumbags who infiltrated the graveside service and wake for Cilla Black. It's d- disgusting, isn't it? I mean, I just I, you can't believe sometimes some of these things. Uh, listening in a bed in hotel in uh, Edinburgh, and good morning, says Catherine. Normally in Qatar, but in Brighton for the summer, but currently in Edinburgh. Make of that what you will. I think that's where Ian Dale is. I'm pretty certain Ian Dale is uh, up there. And uh, Janice says, I discovered your radio show three weeks ago, and I love it. You've become my favourite radio personality. Uh, well, there you go. It's uh, <laughs> the way it goes nowadays, isn't it? They always say once you hear the programme, you're not going to sort of find anything else 
as entertaining. Well, I hope not, anyway. Uh, on Katie Price in therapy, says Steve, two quotes from us stood out. I don't do one-night stands, and I didn't get my boobs done for my career. Over-the-top tears about, you know, refusing respite from caring for Harvey and, uh, you know, her marriage and all the rest of it. It's always been about her, though, hasn't it? And Kevin O'Sullivan writes uh, a really... He said it was a very oddball production. He said, she remains convinced we're still interested in her. The trouble is nobody's interested, but we are, if you see what I mean. You know, part of this was sort of some crazed master plan to say in the limelight. Um, She's had eight boob jobs, ten celebrity boyfriends, you know, five kids, five kiss-and-tell autobiographies, 20 reality shows, and now scraping the barrel. Nothing at all. Nothing left for her at all. And uh, here she goes with this dreadful monotone voice, you know, the most unattractive woman, uh, with one or two screws loose. In fact, if there are even screws there. Recalling her unfine romance with uh, Kieran Haler. We call him the current squeeze, because you know it won't last very long. And uh, from day one, five weeks later, I was pregnant and married to him. Laugh? I thought I'd never start, writes Kevin. Forgiving Katie... Uh, hopes that her former best friend Jane will die for sleeping with Kieran. Whereas, in fact, I should imagine Jane's thinking the same about poor old ugly Katie Price. It doesn't get any better. And uh, it's the... I mean, the person who was offering this oddball psychiatrist, Dr Claudia Burnett, didn't come up with any of the questions we wanted to hear. It was nothing at all. I mean, it was really embarrassing. She can barely string two words together. Most of her boyfriends can barely string two words together. I don't think you could actually have an interview with Kieran Haler. I don't think he's sort of built like that. But uh, anyway, he's sort of he's sort of fit for purpose while she drags out this weary existence. It is, and it is a weary existence. She spends most of her time, as we know from one of her uh, boyfriends, googling herself on the internet to see what people are saying about her. They're saying they don't like you, actually. If Gemma the Porker Collins says Carol is a size twenty, I'm a six. Good grief! I know. I've got a horrible feeling that she might be going away to get a tan. You know, which is a shame, really, because I'd, I'd like to see her actually getting maybe some English lessons uh, in time for her going on, you know, the Celebrity Big Brother, if indeed she's going on it. Because she told us she had loads of, loads of work in the pipeline. And the pipeline will be another fake show that you can stick this waste of space on because there, there's nothing that she, uh, she offers to any programme. She really offers nothing at all. Really embarrassing. A lot of 60s stars missing from Scylla's funeral. Well, they weren't always friends. Weren't always friends. You know, you, you, you can say there were lots of people. It depends whether they thought they were friends or not. Lots of people bump into people. I work with loads of people here. I wouldn't consider them friends. They're, 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 they're acquaintances. So, in other words, if, if I had my funeral tomorrow, if I was thinking of going any, anywhere soon, I shouldn't imagine the producer this morning would be going to it. Why would she? She wouldn't go to my funeral. You know, you'd be having sort of close family and friends. If you invited everybody, it'd have to be held in the Royal Albert Hall be a huge thing. You'd have to invite all the listeners and everybody else. No rain in Costa del Feltham, says little Julie. Not long now to the grand opening of Costco Sunbury. I can't wait. Can't wait. I went past it last night, actually. And uh, they appear to be missing an interior of it. That was the bit that I sort of... Uh, that's the bit that I sort of uh, gathered. Uh, apparently, thyroxine is cumulative, so you can take the day's dose in one go. Listen, I've got loads of other tablets to take. I, I don't want to sort of go through every single... Tablet under the sun. Uh, Steve, uh, always love hearing how to give a cat a tablet. It, I know, I mean, I got, I got so many after that. <laughs> and uh, I've just been woken up by LBC's radio, says Jerry. Heard you saying there are only 160 seats at the Magic Circle event, so I bought two tickets. Magic for my daughter visiting and look forward to it. Oh, you'll love it, actually. You'll love it. It's very nice. You get to go to the Magic Circle and you get to uh, go to the museum, have a look at the real sooty. 
and you get to see some real good close-up magic from some really good magicians. And then you get a little stage show, and uh, they've got a little bar there, and you can have a wander throughout the building. Oh, it's lovely. Get lots of nice people, and also it's nice people who go. Uh, Sonia says the Shoreham Air Show today has been cancelled. I think it would have to be, you know, as a as a mark of respect. All Katie Price has to do, Steve, is listen to your show. Therapy, I'm sure, will work. No, too arrogant. That's the problem. Way too arrogant. They don't sort of... I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> I just sort of worry about her, that she's got this boring voice. How anybody could ever, ever think that she was attractive, I've got no idea. I can't work it out. You, you sort of... Sometimes you look at strange things. Perhaps they think it makes them famous. But we had that uh, little penner boy... Who, um, who was possibly the best-looking person she'd ever been out with, he thought she was awful in the end. And, of course, she thought they were all awful. She's never been nice about any of her exes. So, uh, Kieran, your day will come, and we'll all be here to enjoy it. All be here to enjoy it, because, as you know, I thrive on other people's misery. Uh, the Mail on Sunday. As brave Britain relives horror of French train attack, we reveal jihadi John video. There's a picture of him and his vow to bring terror to our shores. There was that girl the other day. They had a lot of... A lot of conversation with that. John Stapleton yesterday about the 16-year-old girl taken away from her parents. Her parents, mind you, who were simpletons and had pictures of beheadings and making bombs and everything else. Sickos. Sicko. They had to take her away. Take her away from her parents. It's laughable, isn't it, really, honestly? I mean, to be honest with you, if, if they're on benefits, which I suspect they are, we should take them away immediately. Absolutely immediately. Just about it for this morning. It's all gone by a little bit quickly. and I was seriously hoping to sit here this morning... And wait for the heavens to open. Seriously, I thought I'd be looking out the window. I've got my little umbrella with me. And I was thinking it's going to absolutely chuck it down. And then I look out the window. And it's not, it's not sunny. But on the other hand, it's not particularly overcast. But uh, Chris Lowry, who's the expert, he says 2 o'clock this afternoon. I'm setting my watch. If it does not happen at 2 o'clock this afternoon, he's going to get the phone call of all phone calls. You know, I should be saying to him, listen, you said 2 o'clock. I've geared up for that, and, I'm, and it's not happened. It's not happened. On the subject of um, uh, there are far more dangers than planes, says Alex. A plane can glide if the engine fails. Helicopters can use the rotors to slow the descent. Not the ones I've seen. Not the ones I've seen. And Kevin the Milkman says, got the sister-in-law staying, so young nephew's woken me up early. So listening in on a Sunday, sitting in now doing book work and listening with the headphones. Well, listen, I wish you all an extremely pleasant day. Uh, you can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like by downloading the LBC app. And if you missed any of today's show, you know if you go to the website, lbc.co.uk, there's the podcast app. It's available for iPhones and now Android phones as well. So wherever you go in the world, you take LBC with you. Uh, have a nice day. I'm back with you tomorrow morning at four. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. Coming up at 10 o'clock this morning, it's my friend Beverly Turner. Not to be missed. And I'm back again this evening at nine with In Conversation. But now it's the one, the only, Stig Abel.